The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March Design broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace.
Good morning. It's a great blessing to be able to speak to you once again on the radio. We're so thankful for the radio stations that allow us to continue to broadcast the message of salvation by grace alone. We invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at six o'clock. We enjoy worshiping the Lord in a very simple manner. We come together and we sing, we preach, and we pray. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. You can reach me at my email address. I would love to hear from you. It's very encouraging to know that you're listening. And I want to thank those of you that have reached out. And I encourage you to continue to do that. And we'd like to hear from more of you, too, if you have the opportunity. My email address is Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. I'd also like to mention to you the upcoming meeting this weekend at Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church. Especially for those who are listening in our Lamar County and Fayette County area, Sulphur Springs is located just across the county line there into Mississippi on Wolf Road. And those of you that are in that area, hope that you can come out and worship with Elder Joe Nettles, who is the pastor there and the rest of the church. They'll be meeting Friday night at 7 o'clock. That's April the 6th at 7 o'clock. And then Saturday morning, April the 7th at 10 o'clock, and they'll have lunch and an afternoon service. So I know that Brother Joe and the others there at the church would love to have you come and worship with them. Hope that you can do that. Without any further delay, we're going to hear a song and then bring to you a message from the Word of God.
I would be remiss if I did not speak this morning on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, as this is what we commonly consider Easter morning. Think about this with me as we consider this subject and begin with our text in John, the fifth chapter, and verse 28. The subject of the resurrection is what sets apart Christianity from all other religions. It's the only one of the world religions in which the grave of the founder cannot be found. You see, Jesus being resurrected from the grave by his own power, he cannot be found on this earth. He's in heaven. He's on the right hand of the throne of God. And that's a very comforting thing to know whenever we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not like the rest of the religions of the world whose founders, theoretically, you could find their graves. You cannot find the grave of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we consider John 5 and 28, Jesus says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation or judgment. How can this be that one day that all of the graves, which I've said before, this whole earth is just like one big graveyard, when all of the graves will give up their dead? It sounds almost like a fairy tale, doesn't it? Well, if we didn't have this one thing to rely on, it would be some sort of strange and bizarre, maybe even science fiction-like fairy tale. But First Corinthians, the 15th chapter, tells us and many other places in the scripture tells us too, but we'll focus on 1 Corinthians 15, which is the resurrection chapter, commonly known as that. Here we find the reason why we know that there's coming a resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. See, the reason we can understand this is not some fairy tale, but it is a legitimate, absolute truth that is based on historical fact. And of course, it's based on more than historical fact. It's based on the promises of God that were in place before the foundation of the world that he has revealed to us. But that's what sets Christianity apart, is we have the historical fact that the founder of Christianity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is not in the grave. They've tried to prove that to have been a hoax. There's even men that have studied that out over the years and have just proved themselves into the fact of the resurrection, that it cannot be denied. The only way to dispute it or say that it didn't happen is just to make up something or lie like those Roman soldiers were paid to do and like the Jews did in the days whenever they were trying to cover up the fact that Jesus was resurrected. But, oh, brothers and sisters, you can't cover this up because it's too worldwide. I mean, Jesus is worldwide. Because ever since 2,000 years ago when he came forth from the grave, he was the first fruit. We have the blessed hope and the blessed expectation that one sweet day the Lord's going to come back and call all of his children out of the grave. But notice also in John 5 that he's not just going to call his children out of the grave. He's going to call all people out of the grave. Some will come forth the resurrection of life, those whose sins have been paid for by Christ on the cross, and those that have not had their sins paid for will come forth to the resurrection of damnation or separation from God to be cast out into the lake of fire. That is nothing for the child of God to fear. And I will say this, if you're thinking, well, I've got that covered because I did this or I did that or I accepted or I prayed or I held on the way, let me tell you, nothing could be farther from the truth of confidence. Our confidence is only in the Lord Jesus Christ because we can't in and of ourselves hold on the way. We can't accept him or let him in when we're dead in sins. You see, that's the work of the Lord, and you can have confidence in him because guess what? 
He conquered something that nobody else could conquer, and that was the grave. So we can rejoice in the Lord. We can have our confidence in the Lord. The Lord says they shall come forth, the resurrection of life and the resurrection of judgment. So as we consider this on this Easter morning, we want to keep in mind some things that are important regarding the resurrection. First of all, let me show you Acts, the second chapter. You know, there's a lot out there today about a coming kingdom, that there's going to be some kingdom set up in the future. Did you know that Jesus Christ, based on the proof of the resurrection, tells us that he set up his kingdom when he was resurrected? Notice in Acts, the second chapter, and verse 29, this is the first gospel sermon preached after Jesus had ascended back to heaven. Here we have Peter, who a little over a month before had denied Jesus, and on this day of Pentecost, inspired and encouraged and directed by the Holy Spirit, he stands up and preaches this incredible sermon. And I want you to notice what he says here in these verses. In the middle of this sermon, why? Ask yourself why would he refer to this? And I'll explain that in just a moment. Peter says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. Well, this is an odd turn from what he's been preaching. And he says that David is both dead and buried, and his grave is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins are from his descendants, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. And if there's a throne, that means there's a kingdom. Peter goes on and says, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. How about that? He didn't say he's seeing this before spake of a thousand year reign that's coming down the road somewhere that everybody speaks of so often. Oh, I believe in what that's teaching over there in Revelation, but listen to what he's saying here about the setting up of a kingdom by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can't deny that there's a kingdom here and now. I think we're so missing that point, and we've lost sight of how important this is. If we understand there's a kingdom here and now, and there's a king over that kingdom, and his name is Jesus, I think we'd be better subjects to him and the kingdom. And here Peter says that prophecy from the Old Testament that he's referring to, which is in 2 Samuel 7, He's seeing that what the Lord was saying, he spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, the grave, neither his flesh did see corruption. And this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Now, why in the world do you think that Peter would go to the lengths to point back to David, back to the Old Testament, what we know as Second Samuel 7, whenever David had it in mind to build the Lord a house, a temple? And Nathan the prophet came to him and said, listen, the Lord is not wanting you to build him a temple. He will let your son build a temple. And, of course, David gathered all the supplies that his son would need, that son being Solomon. But here, whenever he tells him that over in 2 Samuel 7, you'll find some very interesting words. This is what he says, 2 Samuel 7 and 12. And when thy days, David, David's days, be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, we know that this prophecy here had a double meaning because part of the reference was to Solomon building that physical house for the Lord, the temple. But it has a greater meaning here, according to Peter, who was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, he's seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that Christ would be raised up, resurrected to sit on his throne. 
So understand very clearly from the scripture in the first sermon that was preached on the day of Pentecost there, first New Testament sermon after Jesus went back to heaven and was on the right hand of the throne of God, Peter tells us that the kingdom, David's throne, was established forever when Jesus, who came and descended from David, was resurrected. And now he's on God's throne in heaven. That ties directly into 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. We have to understand that Jesus is reigning on the throne now. He ascended the throne of David. There's many that think, well, he's coming back one day, and he's going to sit on that throne of David over there in Jerusalem. No, this says that he ascended to it when he was resurrected, and he went on back to heaven. And 1 Corinthians 15 supports that because it says of the resurrection in verse 23, every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits of the resurrection, afterward they that are Christ that is coming, then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. How about that? You see, when the Lord comes back, he's delivering up the kingdom. He's not coming back to establish it. He's already established it. There could be no greater establishment of the kingdom than his resurrection. There was no king before like that, was it? David fell on corruption. David fell into the grave. That's why Peter said, we know where his grave is today. At that time, Peter said, we know where it is. And he says, let me speak to you of a greater king that descended from David by the flesh, but he's the son of God. And by his own power, he's resurrected and he's reigning on the throne of David on the super throne, which is in heaven and cannot be touched and will last forever. You see, Christ ascended the throne of David to the super throne in heaven whenever he was resurrected from the grave. And there's no king like that before. Romans, the first chapter and the fourth verse makes it clear that his resurrection declared him to be the son of God. It also declared him to be the king of kings and Lord of lords. Now, let's talk about some practical effects of that resurrection. Not only has he established the throne of David forever, and that established throne is in heaven. It's the throne of God. It's the super David. It's the super throne of David. In Romans, the sixth chapter, listen to what it says about how that affects us now. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, that's verse five, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. And the whole reference here is to baptism. He says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So the resurrection has an impact on whether or not we're baptized. Have you been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? People say, well, you don't really have to be baptized. You know, that's just something you do. Listen, here it says, that is our public statement to the world that we believe that we have been saved by Christ on the cross. And when he was resurrected, we, in a sense, were resurrected with him. And that's what baptism shows. Think about this when it comes to baptism. You've never gone out into the graveyard and seen anybody with their finger or their hand or their leg sticking up out of the grave, right? No, they're covered over completely by the dirt. And so Christ was closed in completely when he was buried. And when we are baptized, we are covered over completely by the waters of baptism. We're put under the waters. That's why John was baptizing where there was much water. You see, you've never gone out into a graveyard and seen anybody with a hand sticking up or a leg sticking up out of the grave. That'd be weird. That'd be scary. <laughs> we completely cover them with dirt. So you see, we are buried 
with him in the waters of baptism. And that is a public profession saying, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Because guess what? You don't stay under the water. You drowned. You come back up, see? Signifying that we are walking in newness of life. And if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death in baptism, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection when we come out from those waters of baptism. How about that? That's a glorious thing. Another way that we experience the resurrection, and it has a practical effect on us now, is found in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. Listen to what Peter says here when it comes to his emotional experience in this life. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, how? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about Peter and the condition that he was in that night after he denied Jesus. And for three days and three nights, he goes around. I wouldn't be surprised if he was suicidal. Think about how down he was. He denied his friend. He denied the Lord. And the Lord had foretold, you're going to deny me. And he was like, no, I won't. I'll go with you unto death. And then he did it anyway. <laughs> Don't you know that Peter was down? And Peter says that he was begotten to a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't you know that whenever Peter learned that Jesus was resurrected, it just revitalized him? As a matter of fact, he was kind of in disbelief to begin with. But then when it became real, when he realized it was true, what a lively hope welled up within him. That's why Peter goes on and says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are lively stones because we have a lively hope through the cornerstones, resurrection, that's Jesus Christ. He says, we have been begotten again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I believe we can experience that over and over as children of God going through this world of sin and sorrow and death. As we think about the resurrection and we go back to it and we understand that the founder of the Christian religion, his grave cannot be found. He's the only one where you can't find his grave. What a lively hope that delivers us into in understanding that this life is just temporary. We're going to see our loved ones that have gone before us again. I believe that Martha had an understanding of that, even though she gained a much better understanding after Lazarus was raised from the dead. But there in John, the 11th chapter, whenever Martha came to him and stamped her foot because he'd only been a couple hours away and hadn't come when Lazarus was sick. And Jesus, of course, by design did not come so that he could show and demonstrate the glory of God. And Martha comes there in John 11 and verse 21, she says to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother hadn't died, but I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha probably stamped her foot again. I said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She's like, I'm talking about now. I want some relief now. Isn't that the way we are? <laughs> you know, it's not good enough that Jesus is resurrected from the grave and already done this great performance of overcoming death. We want something now. We want him to be like a genie in a lamp where we can just rub the lamp and ask for our wishes. So many people think that the Lord is just here for our beck and call. Now, in one sense, we are praying to him on a regular basis, and we're begging him and pleading with him. But if we think he, he is something that we can demand to do this for us, see, that's what Martha was thinking. Well, I'll just stamp my food enough, and maybe he'll do it for me. No, Jesus looked at her, and he said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And believing in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe that this morning, child of God? 
by believing in Jesus, we understand that even though we'll die one day, we'll still live on. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked Martha, and she said, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. You see, Martha believed that Jesus had the power to do anything that he decided to do. Martha believed that her brother would rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Martha believed that he was the Christ, the Son of, the, of God. And yet there she is, stamping her foot and wishing that he had performed. Oh, child of God, the Lord Jesus Christ has already performed. 2,000 years ago, he hung on the cross and bled and died for our sins and covered them completely. And three days and three nights later, he came forth victorious, crushing the head of the serpent Satan, of the destroyer. What a great and glorious thing it is to understand that he gives us that lively hope by his resurrection. I hope and pray that this morning... Regardless of whether you've suffered loss through death or sickness or sorrows or trials or troubles, whatever it may be in this life, I pray that you have that lively hope as a child of God, born of the Spirit, because it's there for us. It's there for us to enjoy. That's what the Lord has done for us through the resurrection of the dead. He sits on the throne of David, the super throne in heaven, according to Peter. And when we're baptized, we are demonstrating that we believe that he is resurrected from the grave and we will walk in newness of life just as he rose from the grave and walks in that new glorified body. And within us, we have that lively hope by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. May it inspire us, encourage us, and deliver us in this present evil world from times of doubt and disappointment because there is no doubt and there is no disappointment in the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you to embrace and rejoice in the lively hope that we have because of the resurrection of the Lord. been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and ten miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.